Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Five Heart Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Todd Wolverton. And tonight, my partner in crime is the incredible, dynamic, devastating John Dam Johnston, founder, creator, major contributor of the Corn of Corn Nation. John, how the hell are you doing tonight? I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little old and tired. <laughs> I'm being, I'm being pushed into the background, just like socialism is taking over the country. You're taking over the podcast. <laughs> it was only a matter of time, buddy. You know, yeah. free thinking, good, honest people are being, uh, especially if they're old white crusty dudes are being pushed to the ground by other old white crusty dudes <laughs> well well speaking of white old crusty dudes um that's a nice segue john uh living up there in the far north in minneapolis um you know what a year ago uh roughly today uh one of the most devastating incidents in recent american history happened and um it's been covered a little bit on the news recently uh focusing on the anniversary of the murder of george floyd um, I know last year, um, I don't know whether it was out of curiosity or just uh, whatever, I know that you uh, participated in a little bit of the, a few of the marches and, and you got down just to kind of see what it was all about. So I, I'm just kind of curious, John, a year removed from that um, sorrowful incident, what, um, what are things like up in the, in the Twin Cities? I know you're getting out and about a little bit more. You're not totally uh isolated in your room so i haven't gotten out that much i mean i haven't gone down to minneapolis for quite a while now since since we were at u.s bank stadium but uh, uh i imagine well uh i didn't ask permission to say this but my my daughter got her court papers today because she was arrested for being in a protest and I think I'll probably just say that part and uh, leave the the specifics out of it. But uh, basically, they detained they they kind of detained them in the area they were in, wouldn't let them leave, and then they arrested a whole gob of them. And I have had ask, people ask me, uh, "Were you upset by this?" And my response to that is, you know, you can't raise children to speak their mind, stand up for what they believe in and have you know have, live live their own lives and then be pissed off at them when they do it so you know i don't i wouldn't say that i was proud of her but i am proud of her for you know she for doing what she believed in um a year later if things changed i don't know if that much has changed and i i i've been thinking about this lately and i don't really have a lot of maybe it's because i'm old and cynical and I try not to be that way, but I don't have a lot of hope that a whole gob is going to change because of this. I mean, you can go back and Richard Pryor was one of my favorite comedians. In fact, in 1976, he released an album called Bicentennial N-Word, you know, with the word we can't say anymore. And my mom bought that album. In 1976, I was what, 14 maybe? Yeah, 14. I can't hardly do the math. <laughs> And she got, she would play records all the time, and she played that. And if you go back and listen to that album, you can listen to it on Spotify. 
it is filthy. It is nasty. And I'm like, mom, what are you playing this for? And she goes, you should listen to Richard Pryor. He's really funny. And it was just dirty, raw, filthy stuff. But you could go back to Richard Pryor's acts in like 70s and him talking about being shot by police with no repercussions. So, you know, this has been going on our whole life. And I just, I don't, you know, maybe if they do, they're talking about passing some national law where they have a database full of, uh, where they track the policemen who had complaints. I think that's really the key piece of that. And you could argue both sides that if, you know, if you do that, then there won't, people won't want to be policemen. And I don't know, you can't, you know, it's kind of like the war on drugs. You can't do the same shit year after year after year and have anything change. So I think they should change things. I th Try some stuff. I don't know about defunding the police completely, but yeah. um, I know. think that that's a horrible term to use. And I think yeah. most people yeah. would would recognize that they're probably well, that there does need to be some reforms. And, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully that will happen. And, and at least, you know, in the news outlets I pay attention to, you know, they've they've had some information about that recently. But, uh, you know, certainly yeah, it's. The reason why I went to that protest is because I was sitting around and I thought, you know, we have so much shit with the people with the fake news and the Internet and you, the Internet is so huge and so varied. You literally can just think something and go out and find whatever articles you want to support your your bias. And my thought was, you know what, there's a whole gob of protests going on. My daughter was involved in them. Uh, you know, I talked to her about not being involved in violent protests you know, what would I do? And she said, you should go and, but don't go alone. So I took my future daughter-in-law, but I really, uh, I went because I, I wanted to go talk to people. I wanted to go talk to them about why they were angry and why they were protesting and not hear it from a reporter and not hear it from the Star Tribune or through a third party. And that's what I did. I went down there and I talked to a, a whole gob of people and it really just, uh, you know, I kind of knew this, but I never really admitted it to myself. But there's a whole percentage of our population that sees this country in a different way that I do. And maybe yeah. rather than just yelling at them and disagreeing with them and reading our websites that confirm our bias, if we just listen to them, maybe we'd be a better country in the in the, you know, in the long run. So that's why I went. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't got, you know, I haven't done that since, but uh, I <laughs> I thought about going down there when the verdict was going to be read, but I thought, yeah, maybe, I'm, maybe not. I'm old and I can't run anymore. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of a, a better country, and I, I know that I know that this is a Nebraska podcast, and we're going to get to Nebraska athletics here in just a minute. But speaking of a better country, John, I know that you are uh, planning to visit another part of our great country. Actually, I think you're going to a foreign country. A uh, little international travel coming up this week. Uh, for those of you out there that don't know, uh, John has spent uh, a little bit of his life in uh, the Republic of Texas and uh, worked down there when he was a young man. And he has relatives down there. And I understand that, John, you uh, need to get your passport ready to go because you're taking off and you're going to go to the country of Texas where anyone can have a gun at any time and I think probably use it without any kind of repercussions. So I guess no, my that's question, not true at all. 
there is there is huge repercussions because oh. if you use it, them motherfuckers be shooting back at you immediately, <laughs> and they're probably better at it. So uh, you're headed to Texas to spend some time with family. You got a, a nephew or a grandnephew that's graduating from uh, high school down there, and uh, so you know, I safe one of, travels. One of the best you. soccer goalies in the state of Texas. Well, cool, great, yeah. great, great, great. Uh, maybe Nebraska is Nebraska recruiting him for their uh, Division One soccer program? Or wait, get, wait. <laughs> okay. The last uh, thing I heard about him was that he was accepted at the University of Arkansas, and I don't think you know friends wouldn't let friends go to Arkansas. So just <laughs> go down there and go. Uh, what the fuck? You're going to spend the rest of your life saying pig suey to people, Woo! like. You know what I mean? No, nobody wants that. You shouldn't do that. Nobody subject other people to that unless they're actually just from Arkansas. Nobody should ever like leave where they're at and go into Arkansas and attend that fucking university ever. So that's my goal for this trip is to go grab the kid and go, what the fuck are you doing? What is wrong with you? Pig suey. I'm going to just say it all weekend until you're sick of it. I think that's a good strategy, John. I think that's a real good strategy. So, yeah. And uh, yep. if that doesn't work, I'm just going to have to shoot him because that's what you do in Texas. <laughs> well, John, I I, I guess um, I've had a good week myself. I uh, One of um, a young student athlete that I worked with, you know, time, uh, how time flies. But, uh, you know, not quite 30 years ago, I had uh, the opportunity to coach a young lady. Her name was Teresa Breifogel. Uh, when I was at Galva Holsting, my first teaching and coaching assignment. And uh, I kind of became her personal coach to some extent. I was an assistant track coach and the head coach um, made me responsible for the high jumpers and long jumpers. Long story short, the young lady ended up being a six-time state champion and uh, and a Drake champion. She won uh, the high jump. Um, How do you become a six-time state champion? She won the high jump three times and she won the long jump. She won the high jump three times outdoors, one time indoors, and then she uh, won the long jump twice. And she's the only- I was thinking this was some kind of Iowa thing where she graduated from, couldn't get past being a sophomore. There you go. But uh, no, she um, actually, and she's the only, she's the only athlete, um, the only female athlete and possibly the only, uh, only athlete male or female that has actually won the high jump and the long jump in the same year, and she did it twice. So anyway, Teresa Breifogel was recently, uh, last weekend, she was inducted into the Iowa uh, High School Girls Athletic Union Track and Field Hall of Fame, which that was really cool. And I, while I didn't see the the, the ceremony, you know, it's as, when you get our age, and, you know, especially in education, they always tell you, you know, you, you never know what kind of an impact you have at the time you're having, you're making an impact. And, you know, when kids are 15, 16, 18 years old, very rarely, you know, do they truly understand what kind of an impact a particular teacher or coach may have had on them and on their life. And it was really gratifying to me to see her when she was in high school, when she competed and when she excelled and watched her a little bit in college when she competed. Uh, but then, you know, 25, 20, 25 years later, when she, uh, is inducted into a hall of fame that's that's a great feeling and in some communication i've had with her in the last couple of days it's uh it's been really fun kind of reconnecting so i've had a good week good week on those terms so um anyway but we need to move on to nebraska sports nobody cares about you going to texas nobody cares about me being a 
former track and field coach. Um, right now, when we talk about Nebraska, I care, Todd. I care. <laughs> when we talk about Nebraska sports, John, we are we are up to our necks in uh, Husker baseball. So, uh, why don't you bring us up to speed a little bit with uh, the Corn Husker baseball team? We won the Big Ten. We won the Big Ten, and we were picked eighth. At the beginning of the season, and at the beginning is actually, I think before the season started, I interviewed one of the guys from D1 Baseball, uh, Patrick Ebert. My God, I butchered his name probably. I was going to say Patrick Gerhardt. That's one of our guys. <laughs> but I asked him, why are we picked eighth? I mean, seriously, look at who our team. We can't be eighth. We're not going to finish eighth. And his response was. Uh, nobody knows what Will Bolt is going to do. And I don't think anybody had any idea what Will Bolt was going to be. I think this, his offense was going to be this dynamic, right? You know, in the first real full, full year of coaching, uh, he, you know, he talked about the fact that they have some good looking arms, but again, they, nobody knew, him. you know, Chance Roach was good at New Mexico state. And was he going to be good at Nebraska? You know, was, Cade Povich. I mean, when you look at Nebraska's pitching, it's been very good throughout. You know, I know we all we all have our favorite guys that we go internally in Slack. We go, oh, you know, and there's much swearing when he gets put into the lineup or into the, you know, gets an appearance. But uh, even he did kicked ass this last weekend. So, uh you know, the pitching staff, the, the pitching, you know, the bullpen, the starters, the and the offense, everything has come together this year, and it's been a really nice year. Uh, the freshman, uh, Max Anderson, uh, my wife and, and, I, and my youngest son were both watching, and they, my family hates baseball. You know, we're a soccer family, but and they hate watching baseball because they think it's boring, which is fine. That means I get to watch it alone. But they both, my wife saw Max Anderson and she's like, that kid looks like a geek. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he kind of does. He looks like he's about 12. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's, I don't, you know, I think what's next, maybe the biggest thing for this team is in terms of a team is, is Spencer Schwellenbach going to win Big Ten Player of the Year? Is somebody like Max Anderson going to be freshman of the year? Are we going to keep our win streak going this week at, in, against Michigan? Uh, what, what kind of a regional are we going to get into? What's our seed going to be? How far can they go? How far can they go, Todd? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, they're playing really good right now. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that many weeks ago that you and I were sitting on your sister's porch after they'd been swept by Rutgers. And, um, you know, we kind of had that, oh, my goodness, you know, where are we at now? And uh, I guess I'd have to go back and, and look at the recording uh, because I don't think that either one of us expressed a lot of optimism. I don't think we were pessimistic about going forward, but I think, you know, at least my recollection is we were kind of stunned by the fact that they'd gotten swept by Rutgers. That being said, what an incredible turnaround from then. And you know, this last weekend with those four games in the pod, I only got to watch really two of the games because on Saturday we were going to graduation parties around central Iowa and I was trying to keep up. So I missed that incredible comeback with um, Ohio against Ohio State. I, you know, kind of 
kind of got into Slack a little bit and I'm reading what's going on, you know, with that conversation. And and then Saturday night, I listened to a little bit of it on, on the radio. But what I can tell you is that was an incredible weekend. And, you know, you talked about the pitching and uh, the pitching has been solid this year. Has it been stellar and outstanding? There have been a couple of moments when I think it, it has been, uh, you know, I think of um, Chance Roach's game, you know, on Saturday night was amazing. Uh, uh, Cade Povich had a game earlier in the season that I thought was just an outstanding pitch to game. And there was even, I, I don't remember, I, I, some, I don't remember details that well, but I even remember that on a particular uh, day, Shea Shanneman, I thought was just lights out. So the starting pitching, you know, they've done some wonderful things, but, you know, there were, during that Rutgers series, you know, the bullpen absolutely fell apart. Yeah. You wouldn't know it. They read that article you, in the paper. Yeah. It, their heads. it may have, but you would not have known that if you would have watched Sunday's game from first pitch to last pitch. I, I remarked, my mom sat down and was watching a little bit of the game with me. And I remarked to her, I said, I can't believe every one of these pitchers, their breaking ball is just dropping off a table. I said, they have these hitters off balance. It didn't matter who was in the game. And, you know, Max Schreiber, he, he threw as well as I've ever seen that guy throw and was really sharp. And Cody Frank came in in a tough situation and, and excelled. Um, so, you know, this was a real feel-good weekend. That being said, now we've got Michigan coming to town on, on Friday. Um, and while maybe a little of the luster might be off of this series because, you know, Nebraska's already clinched, I think Nebraska fans are going to show up in force. And I think Nebraska fans are truly excited about having a big series against a quality team. If people remember, Michigan got second in the College World Series last year and have quite a few of those players back. So I think that Nebraska fans are going to show up. I hope that there's a lot of electricity in the stands. And, um, you know, it could, be, it could be a really exciting series. Is Nebraska going to sweep? I don't know. Two and one, one and two. Who knows how it's all going to shake out? But I can tell you this. I think that there will be some exciting, fantastic baseball going on this weekend uh, down at Haymarket Park. I think in Slack, we took the poll and we all felt, thought we were going to finish two and two last weekend, and that would be decent. And That's they, where I was at. I thought if they were two and two last weekend, that um, that would be good. And that would set things up pretty good for Nebraska this weekend, you know, and if they went two and one this weekend, theoretically, you know, there are other factors at play, but I thought if they'd go two and one this weekend, they could win the big 10 championship, but they don't need it. They're the big 10 champions, you know, and, uh, that's 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 really cool in my opinion well it'll uh, be interesting to see what happens though against michigan i mean they've won a big 10 championship they are kind of a young team uh you know what happens to young guys when they think they've accomplished something they get all full of themselves and the next thing you know you're getting swept by Rutgers. there's some truth so, to that but there's some pretty strong leadership and i think that leadership came to the surface after the Rutgers series um you know but um Anyway, so one of the things that, you know, oh, you wait also a asked. Wait, wait a minute. Did you, did you watch Sunday? What Was it Sunday's game? Yeah, Sunday's game. One of, the, one of the announcers on BTN said something about they could share the title. They haven't clinched it yet because they may add more games. Yeah. And all of Twitter, Twitter exploded 
<laughs> you're kind of like, you know, the, the, the media guys went insane with this. And you're kind of like, they're not, number one, they're not adding games. He, he was just an off-the-cuff remark that the guy said. And suddenly it was, uh, you know, inst- a revolution was going to happen. But I don't know. Yeah, thought- that was kind of crazy. <laughs> So, no, you know, and, and you asked the question, I guess I didn't answer your original question. How far can they go? Well, I tell you what, I, it, it all depends upon what regional they get in. And if they come through this weekend and if they end up a second seed, you know, an original, you know, some people are talking going down to Lubbock uh, with Texas Tech and being the number two seed and they're predicting Tech would be an eight seed. If they could go where where there's a seven, eight seed, if they could go to that regional, um, ninth seed, if they could go to those kinds of regionals, I think that would be a great position. I really hope that they don't end up going down to Arkansas. That's the only place. And for reasons that you explained earlier, um, but also because right now Arkansas is a team, at least from what I've seen and what you read, Arkansas is far and away the the top team in the country right now. Um, but I think if you put um, put Nebraska almost in any other place, I think that they'll have a chance uh, to move through. I really do think they got a chance to advance to a super regional. Um, and that would be really exciting if that were to happen. So, but I tell you what, what I do miss is the big, the big 10 tournament and not having the big 10 tournament this year. Um, you know, is, is there's an absence there. And I know that people have some different opinions. And I know that you uh, on coordination um, wrote an article today, a little bit about uh, the big 10 tournament and uh, kind of gave fans an option. And the last time I looked at the poll, people that responded to your poll were pretty much in favor of kind of having a traditional season with a tournament. So John, what are your thoughts about, you know, the future of big 10 schedules and, and tournaments? I, I miss the Big Ten tournament, baseball tournament. I think I've shot the Big Ten baseball tournament probably, well, I have a, a number of years, and it's always been fun. Uh, I shot it at Target Field one year here in Minneapolis, and honest to God, there probably was maybe 500 people in the stands. So <laughs> they need to not have it at Target Field. I think for at one point they were going – we should have this at major league baseball parks. No, you shouldn't have it at fucking major league baseball parks. You should just go have it in Omaha where it's always going to be full. And because it's full and exciting, it's going to have a national presence and people are going to go, Hey, that looks like fun. What is that? Big 10 baseball. What the hell? And then uh, I think people <laughs> did make a good points about uh, countering my argument about playing the entire big 10 schedule and I think, you know, over on YouTube, people commented on the YouTube video I did too, but uh, the most salient comment was, we don't really need to have a full Big Ten schedule just so we can play Penn State and Purdue. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, all you, when you play Penn State, all it does is drag your RPI into the fucking toilet because they won't <laughs> upgrade their baseball program because they're a bunch of fucking bastards. How about that, Penn State? I mean, Wisconsin's not going to have a baseball program. Please don't bother. Because all you'd do is drag our RPI into the toilet, too, you fucking badger sons of bitches. 
anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, it's kind of a, a danged if you do and danged if you don't when it comes to having a tournament. But I, you know, and, and just because other conferences have them, you know, that's not necessarily a reason to do it. Um, but I, I honestly think that the traditional schedule they've had where uh, teams play non-conference games, you know, which gives teams an opportunity to get a bump on their RPI. I think those are incredibly important. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a season where they have a pod or two and, you know, maybe play a couple of pods. If that's a way, you know, to play more of the teams, um, you know, those four day, those four game weekends are kind of tough on pitching staffs. And so, you know, you'd, you, but then you'd, you'd, you'd take that into account with your non-conference scheduling and your midweek games. And, and, you know, I know some people think maybe later in the season, you can have a midweek series with, you know, another uh, conference team, but I, I really like the tournament and, you know, if they could add some, add a pod or two during the regular season, that might be kind of neat uh, for the fans and, and for the players. Um, you know, I, I, I understand what people are saying with an eight team tournament, you can eat up a lot of pitching. I get that. Um, you don't have to have an eight team tournament, you know, um, you can go with a six team tournament or, or, you know, my I had opportunity to follow my nephew this year at Central Missouri, and, and they they have a very good team. And in that conference, you know, the top eight teams made quote unquote the playoffs, and they had you know the number one against number eight, and they played a three game series on one weekend, and that all eight of those teams played you know those little three game series, and then the four winners went and they played a four team tournament the following weekend. They did not chew up their pitching staff, so. I think there's ways to make it work. And, and if people are creative and, um, you know, having, you know, have it at Rosenblatt every year, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of people at Rosenblatt. Um, the last year that, that, I think, that Iowa. I think Rosenblatt's gone now, Todd. You're right. Rosenblatt. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> Jamie, Christmas. You Can miss you it believe that much, that? huh? Rosenblatt. Holy smoke. <laughs> I'd love to have a Rosenblatt too. <laughs> have it in Omaha. <laughs> but if you did that, you know, because the last year that Iowa had a really good team when they had the tournament, there were a lot of Hawkeye fans that came over and watched, you know, it won't just be, yeah. you know, Nebraska fans are going to, they're going to turn up, but um, you know, I, anyway, enough said, we need to have, we need to have a schedule similar to what they've had in years past, in my opinion. So. Okay. So, if they were going to actually change the format of the tournament, that means that they would actually have to think about Big Ten baseball and how it's structured and how it works and how they might display their sport on national when it's nationally being focused upon. And that would require somebody who's in charge of the Big Ten to actually put his fucking mind to work. Well, I, which I, seems to be very difficult. Well, if nothing else, through this entire COVID era, the Big Ten has been exposed. And if people didn't believe that the Big Ten was all about football and men's basketball, then they were they, they were drinking something different because that's that's what greases the wheels. And the Big Ten barely makes uh, a gesture towards uh, acknowledging other sports. They've got the best volleyball conference, the best wrestling conference in the nation. And um, 
they're good in other sports. They're good in hockey. They're good in women's basketball and they're good in baseball. But, uh, you know, it, it's sad how little attention uh, the people at the Big Ten office have paid to baseball um, this 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 season. It's 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 horrible, in my opinion. Well, we could bring up that one guy's name. Would that be Kevin Warren? It would be. Yeah. Today, today. Uh, now this tweet has been deleted, and I I posted it into our Slack room, and maybe I'll try to do some screenshots to go with the article. <clears throat> but today, Buckeye Scoop tweeted uh, some. Well, they tweeted, and they what they said was the the gist of their tweet was Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren apparently didn't quite believe the Ohio State football parents were genuine. And when you read these tweets, basically what you get is from uh, Ohio State's Gene Smith is the statement that Kevin Warren is alleging that the letter is being manufactured. In other words, the Ohio State parents letter back when we were fighting to have a a football season. You know, what does it say about a guy that leads a conference who, honest to God, thinks his parent thinks that their parents manufacturing a letter or that anything is fake about this shit? What what kind of dense moronic boob do you have to be to think that any of that is not real? Or are you just well, paranoid? What it what it what it demonstrates is that Kevin Warren was not equipped to be the commissioner of the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, okay, you can you can give him a little slack because he was just hired recently before the pandemic hit. So you can give him a little bit of slack there. Um, There's there's no question that the presidents and chancellors run the conference. But Kevin Warren's job is to appease. The presidents and the chancellors, but it's to work closely with the ADs. And it is very apparent that up to that point, he did not communicate effectively with the ADs. He had not built relationships with the ADs. Uh, For him to doubt the authenticity of something that Gene Smith uh, brought to his attention is just ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, You know, I, I believe that if ADs in the conference had turned parents loose, they would have stormed Indianapolis. Uh, if, they, if ADs would have encouraged parents, you know, to, to become more active, the Big Ten couldn't have held them back with, with riot gear. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I have my doubts about the leadership of Kevin Warren and how long he is going to, uh, uh, I, I tell you what, he's not cut out for the job and that's become very apparent. Well, you know this, what is it? Newton's second, second law of physics. John, I wasn't good at physics. Uh, <laughs> is that a, 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 an object will stay in, in motion until an equal and opposite force stops it from being in motion or something else something like that i'm close basically 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 what it says in real life is it says things are going to stay the same unless they're acted upon by an external force 
So the key with Kevin Warren is there's two things with Kevin Warren, really probably more than that. But number one, is anybody going to trust this guy to do anything but hand out trophies from now on? I mean, he's going to at some point, if he stays, he's going to have to negotiate the next TV contract that's going to supposedly keep all these athletic departments floating and making shitloads of money. Honestly, you're going to trust him to do that. Is anybody going to trust him to do that? Are the prince, the chancellors and presidents going to trust him? I, I don't see how you can. I don't see how you can. I really don't. I don't know. The, the other problem is, is this guy, if this guy expects, I mean, if this guy expects to show up and hand out trophies and not be booed, he's going to be sadly, dis, I mean, he's going to be disappointed. Well, he, he wasn't in Indian. Uh, he wasn't in Bloomington to hand the trophy to the uh, Cornhusker baseball. Of course, he'd have to realize that the Big Ten has baseball in order to show up in Bloomington. And apparently he hasn't gotten that far down on his list of Big Ten sports, uh, you know, that he needs to pay attention to. So, you know, he didn't he did an interview. Uh, with Mike DeSorcy of the Sporting News eight days ago. And I posted, I think I did a flakes with this. And it is the most, it's it's so softball-y stuff. I mean, it's so, don't ask any hard questions of the guy. And you kind of get this, I, you know, here's the thing with people, just so you know, when you're around media stuff, okay, it's really difficult to ask quote coaches a lot of times very hard questions because if you ask them really hard questions, they're going to go, uh, yeah, could you not show up anymore to be a media guy and cover this team? Because that's what they do. And if you know, you can say, why doesn't that guy ask that question? Why doesn't he put the screws to him? I don't know, probably because he wouldn't have a job if he did that. That's how media works on a certain level. You don't just get to go into an interview especially after a game or things like that and beat the shit out of a guy there has to be some tact in it that's the probably the hard part of sports writing is having that tact which i which is why every time i've ever been an oppressor i say nothing (laughs) except except i did years ago at the big 10 baseball tournament i kind of went after jim delaney a little bit (laughs) and i I think I upset some guys in Omaha doing that because I took over some of the questioning. Anyway, uh, this this interview with Kip Mike DeSorcy is so, it's so, God, it literally, I think I wrote in flakes that it was, it reads like a high school senior did it who wanted to be a journalist, <laughs> you know, because uh, they discuss a variety of topics in the progress of the league. And <laughs> there's nothing in here about, anything about going back on his big 10 decision nothing in here about you know you said nebraska needed to leave the big 10 if they wanted to play something somebody else kevin warren's big moment in which he had tried to act like he had a spine um well, listen there's I, some things in here where he says you know uh, uh, we were able to launch a mental health coalition which has done incredible work we have provided the Calm app to all of our Big Ten student athletes and coaches and other Big Ten constituents. And we'd had over 250 downloads of the app within the last year. Um, I think if you're doing this during a pandemic and that's what you're touting, 
is an accomplishment. You really need to get out more, man. You know what? We gave people an app and they downloaded it. And I get that maybe mental health is kind of a big issue, but you're kind of like, that's really it. We're proud that we gave them an app and they downloaded it. What the fuck? I, that was the part of the interview where I went, okay, man. Well, you know, John, you <laughs> really mentioned trying that. hard here. And, 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 you know, you, you talk about that and we, we briefly talked about it earlier, you know, when that rumor floated around out there about adding games, you know, um, so that all the teams played. And I thought this is exactly what's running through my mind. I thought, God, if they add a game, Nebraska fans are going to come unglued. And so then all 13 other colleges and universities are going to pile on Nebraska fans for being little whiny bitches again. And, you know, I, I'm of the, the school that Nebraska fans need to quit bitching and complaining um, and, and just move forward. But if that would have happened, I would have thought, oh, my God, this state, at least the baseball fans in the state of Nebraska uh, and just pure Nebraska fans, they would absolutely come unglued. And then here we're going to have the Twitter wars all over again. I, thank God that 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 didn't come to fruition so anyway well john what else do you got for this week you got anything else or is it about time for us to call it good i thought we were bitching more about kevin warren <laughs> i do have an honest i i you know i mentioned bias earlier at the beginning of this thing right now you could go out on the internet and find bias find whatever your position is and whatever political i don't care if it's science religion politics teams fans sports whatever you can find something that agrees with your position on the internet yep and one of the things that i have spent my life doing is being an it consultant and that means i provide solutions to customers and a lot of times i provide two or three different options and a lot of times i will describe what we're going to do to fix their problem and they'll go great and i'll say no that what if i'm wrong and they'll go what what if I'm wrong? What if you're going to spend all this money and I turned out being wrong? Well, what are we going to do? You're going to tell me I'm right. Right now, when we're discussing this, and we've discussed contingency planning on this show before, you come up with options, right? You look at things and you go, this is what I think about this, but what if I'm wrong? In other words, I could be wrong. What other options are there to me being wrong? So when I look at Kevin Warren, I really want to give the guy a benefit of the doubt. And I really want to say, well, maybe he, it, it was really hard during the pandemic. And maybe it was really, you know, maybe he did an okay job. Maybe we're being unfair. And I really want to look at it from that angle. And, and I think that uh, you're, this is where you tell me yes or no. My, am I being unfair? Did, I called him really bad names on Twitter last fall. Well, I, I think I don't. Maybe that was harsh, but I don't think he can't go forward being the commissioner. I don't think. Uh, you know, and I guess I mentioned it earlier. I I, I think it's going to be very difficult because, you know, um, the, we're going to get through the, the softball and baseball seasons. Uh, they're going to have the, you know, the offseason, whatever, virtually again this year, I believe. I don't think everybody's going to Chicago for the big, the Big Ten whoop-de-doo, whatever it's called. The BTN um, 10K, Todd. Well, yeah, 5K. I'm doing 5K. Um, okay. 
But, uh, you know, and then football season is going to start. And, uh, you know, unless you're going to stay tuned into Big Ten Network, you know, uh, what's going to be out there to try to boost the, the excitement for the Big Ten Conference? Um, and, and I guess where I'm leading up to is I understand that, the, that he took this position in, a, in an era that had never been seen before for college athletics. You know, it, 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 incredibly difficult, but he blew it. And like I said quite a bit earlier in this podcast, the Big Ten has been exposed and the conference doesn't give a shit about anything other than men's basketball and football. And they will bend over backwards to keep those two sports at the top of you know, the national profile. They did it to make sure Ohio State had a shot to get into the playoffs and they did it by packing games in so that Michigan could get enough games to justify a number one seed in basketball. Um, they, you know, basketball played non-conference. No one else played any non-conference. You know, it's, it's just disgusting to me the way that this conference has absolutely crapped on every other sport. And like I said, no conference is better than the Big Ten in volleyball. No conference is better than the Big Ten in wrestling. And in those two sports, it's not even close. And yet they, they, they handcuffed both of them. And, uh, you know, they, they put up restrictions and limitations. And they will argue day and night that they did it out of concern for safety. Uh, but right. you know what? There were other conferences that got through this, too. And, you know, I was Mr. Gloom and Doom back in the fall. Um, I sure was. And, you know, I, I don't think I was proven wrong, um, but certainly it didn't get as bad as what I thought it could. Um, but it was different. And there were teams and athletes that were negatively impacted because of the pandemic, because of COVID-19. But the Big Ten Conference was not given a fighting chance to compete against other conferences, schools from other conferences in any of those sports, except for basketball, not even football. Um, they, they weren't given a chance. So do you think that the presidents and chancellors will, I mean, what's gonna to take to get a different commissioner? I think that the, I think that there's probably some athletic departments. Uh, I know two of them that wear red um, that I don't think are real fans of his leadership at this point. Um, if the, uh, if I, I know that Gene Smith has a tremendous amount of influence at Ohio State, um, you know how closely connected uh, Bill Moose is with uh, you know, the chancellor here at Nebraska. Um, it's gonna take three or four schools to really start putting a lot of pressure on the other schools. Um, to how, do, do how do you fire a, a commissioner? You fire a commissioner. 
You just go in one day and go, well, it didn't work out, Bob. But well, you know, in the PAC-10. you'll see you to the door and we'll the get The PAC-10's commissioner, was he fired or did he resign under duress? <laughs> in the, the PAC-12, the PAC-12 commissioner, he's gone. And, you know, in, in large part, he lost, uh, well, he he lost favor with the ADs real early on. Um, he only hung on as long as he did because he was in the good graces of some of the presidents. So, oh, here's January twentieth, two thousand twenty-one. Larry Scott finally fired as Pac-12 commissioner. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so you fire a commissioner. Parting ways with the finger quotes. Unfortunately, um, you know these TV rights. You know, that's not something you negotiate in a month. And uh, I'm not sure how far off that that decision is made, but um, the, you don't want to bring in, you know, somebody right off in, who right off the bat has to jump, you know, with both feet into that process. So. I would think that like August 15th would be a really good time. Because you're coming out of a pandemic, things are going to look great. People are going to be excited to be going back into their stadiums, listening to their college football teams, fall practices. And you could go, hey, guess what? We got a new commissioner and he's here he is. And he could go out and be introduced at games and wave the crowds and be welcome. Like maybe this fall. <laughs> I think that's wishful thinking. Oh God! But I don't. I don't have any faith. I don't have any faith in his leadership, and I, yeah. you know, I try to give him benefit of the doubt early on. You know that the commissioners are truly, the, or excuse me, the presidents and the chancellors are truly the ones that are in control, and they are. But Kevin Kevin Warren has not represented the athletic departments well, and he hasn't. He has not represented the student athletes, uh, and he's not represented the sports other than football and basketball. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. That sums it up. Should that sum think, up our show? I think that probably sums up our show. So I have we'll, to make sure I'm ready at four in the morning to go to Texas. Well, there you go. There you go, buddy. I hope you come back. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I'm flying Southwest. So I hold, I, I got a layover in Houston. And every time I think about that, I think, oh, God, you know, I'm going to be in Houston. The zombie apocalypse is going to start. And they're all <laughs> being Houston of all fucking places on this planet. I wouldn't want to be. Houston's one of them. Yeah. Well, hey. Okay, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Five Heart Podcast, where five hearts are all the heart that you need. <laughs> we thank you for joining us this evening. We will get better with these sign-offs, but I'm gonna throw it to you and thank you very much, Mr. John Johnson for being here with us tonight. John? <laughs> Go Big Red. We don't have a third guy. Okay, <laughs> there you go, goodbye. <laughs>